Oscar Poker. Roger and Guy Lodge. Oh, no kidding. And, uh, What was Guy yeah. doing in Paris? He's um, staying in a, with a woman friend that he knows in, near the Bastille. And he, I said, uh, you should come over and join us if you can. And he, and he showed up. So it was nice. Oh, that's very nice. That's so mm. surprising in a way. But isn't he? He's good company, isn't he? Yeah. Why is it surprising? He didn't like me? No. <laughs> no, just that you guys aren't friendly like you've never really hung out or anything but um but i know he's a very friendly guy i don't think he would uh turn down yeah. a dinner invitation you know yeah yeah so. it's a very cool very cool little place one of those little miniature places that has little tables and little chairs but it's very nice <laughs> and it's in the, in the marais district which every time i go there it's mm -hmm. getting more and more uh, uh commercial and well lit and crowded and lots of people in outdoor cafes it's just lovely Really nice. Oh no, I know. We were there last when I, my daughter and I went there. We we stopped in that area, and uh, there's like uh -huh. a, a little restaurant right by the the second <clears throat> the second bridge, and we mm -hmm. ate there. But you know, in August, all the Parisians leave and they go to the beach, so you don't really like. Right now, you're getting a much better picture of Paris than I did. You know. Why were, you, why were you there in uh, August? What were you um, doing? Emma and I had gone to visit her father in Italy, and oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. we just decided in the last four days to see Paris. You know, what the hell? We'd only ever gone to Italy. So mm -hmm. we really wanted to. All right. All right. Well, can we start recording? Because I want to get to bed because I have to get, but guess what? 4.30 in the morning because we have a 7.20 a.m. flight to catch. Oh, Okay. Well, where are you? Um, hold on a second. Where am I going? I'm trying to figure out if that buzz is you or me. So, there, okay, it stopped. Um, mm. Okay, yeah, so where are you going? To Venice tomorrow morning. And you're going with your friend? Mm hmm. How's it been going so far? Oh, fine. Yeah. Except that I'm, 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 I had my first uh, incident of, of uh, like, I'm I'm very very surprised, but I I just mounted up the steps <clears throat> uh, yesterday, and uh, uh, my uh, arch and the ankle is kind of bruised just from this sheer exertion of bouncing up the steps, which I which I've been doing all my life. That was like not not a pleasant thing. Oh, are you wearing, I, uh, are you wearing the right kind of shoes? It's not the shoes. It's just that. I'm running upstairs like I'm 20, and I'm not 20. Right, but it, was, <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like you might need better shoes too, because you know you you uh, you're a healthy guy, you're fit, and you know uh, it doesn't seem right that that particular part of you would be breaking down just now. No, it doesn't seem right to me either. So <laughs> let's hope, let's hope it doesn't make a habit of it. <laughs> All right, so let's catch up on. We don't have a lot of time. Right. So what time is yeah. it there? Is it late? Is it late at night? Uh, eleven thirteen p.m. Oh yikes! It's late. Okay, so we'll just get to it. Let's just get to it. We didn't talk about the, you know, the last time we had our podcast, it was the day before mm. the Tree of Life, so we we never really got to talk about that. And then, of course, it went and won the the Palm d'Or. 
palm, yeah. the palm door. Did you and foresee the, this? The, uh, I had, the tree well, of life. I predicted it actually, but um, that was only because uh, of ignorance on my part. I hadn't seen a lot of the other movies. I hadn't seen the Almodovar. I didn't see Drive. You know, um, I like. How come you missed the Pedro? What happened there? I, I left just... the day before it showed. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would uh, think that uh, that would have been something that might have confused me a little bit more. But as it was, it looked like to me that, um, well, two reasons why I thought the Tree of Life would win. One was that it was just so big in scope, it was too hard to ignore because, you know, uh -huh. it's such an ambitious project and people like seem to like Terrence Malick. And uh -huh. the other reason was that Jude Law and Robert De Niro were both on the jury. Well, you know, they're both really good friends with uh, Sean Penn. <laughs> and I know you can't really, you know, always say that that's the way it works, but you know, they're—I mean—they're really good friends with Sean Penn. Like Sean Penn defended Jude Law at the Oscars. Uh -huh. You know, he came uh -huh. out and said he was just a very good actor. So to me, it seemed like it—they it, had it in the bag, you know. But Even though, really, it's—it's uh, it's hardly a film that you could call uh, a Sean Penn vehicle. It's—it's—it's it's, it's not really one of his. It's not his movie. In fact, he made a point. Yeah, we, we recall that of not attending the Tree of Life press conference because he felt that it just wasn't uh, his uh, film to take a bow on because he's he's so in it in, in such a marginal way. And by the way, I was <coughs> excuse me, I was told that he um, uh, by a by a pretty pretty good authority uh, that he had a very substantial uh part uh, you know speaking role the whole thing and uh at the at the point that the movie was in the vicinity of like five hours uh that's but uh but they cut it down of course uh, and um he got brought down to almost nothing in the same way that adrian brody was brought down to almost not almost nothing in <coughs> excuse me the thin red line so mm -hmm. right 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 so what do you think? You think that that he harbored ill feelings about that, or no? I guess he just felt that he, that he's such a marginal presence, which he is. I mean, he's there, and he's obviously playing the older version of the young kid that we see in mm -hmm. Texas, uh, who's de who develops this animus towards his dad. Right, right. Uh, um, well, I just don't. I just thought he he just put two and two together and said, "I'm just not. Uh, this isn't." Anything that I'm really in, I'm just kind of there as a figure walking through the desert and looking forlorn as he sits in a glass tower and kind of wondering who he is and what his life amounts to and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, well, I, I was curious that, that someone had on Twitter had said that a different movie was in line to win and that Tree of Life just barely squeaked by, that it wasn't a unanimous – I mean it was unanimous obviously. More than unanimous majority, if, but are you referring to what Guy picked up on Twitter about them li really liking um, this? Must be the place. I don't think it was that movie. I wish I could remember, and, and my brain brain is not recalling what movie it was. But I was surprised at what I heard that was coming in second place. It wasn't any of the movies that people were considering, and it certainly wasn't any of the ones people thought were, were going to win. Like Kev well, we need to talk about Kevin or Drive or any of these other movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't La Havre. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that one. Mm -hmm. So I guess we could just talk a little bit about Tree of Life since we didn't really get a chance to before. And you could just talk about how you felt about it if you want. I thought it was um, absolutely a levitational experience um, for the, uh, a good, let's say, 35 to 40 minutes. 
Uh, I could even be liberal-minded about it and call it uh, almost an hour's worth, but I definitely felt, and I don't think this is anything terribly novel, <clears throat> that there is a reason that uh, drama, that movies, that plays uh, have a through line and narrative <clears throat> uh, because it tends to hold your interest and you have a, it gives you a sense of things developing and building. There is no sense that that movie is developing and building other than the fact uh, that it's just, you know, continues to explore and feel youth and the way it, uh, and the way uh, life can feel so precious and, and natural and, and, and sort of wonderful in a way and yet hard and tough when one of the parents decides he or she has to be the the uh, the 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 no no person the scolder the you know the uh, the drill sergeant if you will which is what uh, Brad Pitt turns out to be he's a very frustrated man kind of turning around and giving it to his sons <clears throat> so um, I don't I just started to feel that it's not delivering the way uh, I would like uh, and, and and how much work is it to develop a uh, uh, little bit of a story um it just made no effort uh not because he couldn't or he forgot to he just he chose not to and i'm not putting him down for that i just felt that i wanted something to it just that the it's so um it's sort of almost like a you know it's almost like a short film and it's like a really long short film exploring um realms of the spirit and of and of fate and of uh destiny and quite beautiful quite mesmerizing it's an amazing film i just did not feel it was working for me as well during the second half so yeah the second half was probably to me the, the more problematic and especially the ending you know and the thing is is it's hard to really criticize it because it is what it is it's like looking at a painting you know how do you criticize huh. a really great painting you don't you just look at it you get it or you don't get it and you move on to the next one you know uh, uh -huh. um I, I think that people that trust terence malick knows what he's doing and knows what he wants to say so you know it's just a matter of if you if it moves you or not and this movie really did move me i have to say of all the movies i saw there it's the one that stuck with me the most and uh -huh. this seems weird to say because i sort of um felt that that there were a couple others like the artist and um, Le Havre and We Need to Talk About Kevin. Those movies I thought were, they had great stories and characters you could involve yourself in and you could really think about the plots. And Tree of Life didn't have any of those things, but it had uh -huh. it had that ethereal beauty. It had something, you felt like you were seeing a movie you've never seen before and that, you know, and that sort of broke through all of the uh, conventions of storytelling. You're not wrong about that. I did feel that I was seeing something for very novel, and I was glad I was seeing it. I never felt that I had to, you know, hurry up, let's get it, get this over with. I was, <clears throat> even when it wasn't working as well, uh, I was pretty uh, strongly taken with it and knew that I was watching something pretty exceptional. So mm -hmm. I didn't have any problem with it winning. I thought it was uh, an okay thing for them to do that. Yeah. However, I wonder what would have happened. Uh, and, you know, had Lars von Trier's not put his foot in his mouth and mm. screwed things up with his Nazi comments, <clears throat> would that film, because I feel that they gave <clears throat> the Best Actress Award to Kirsten Dunst as a compensatory gesture. Uh, so people would not say that they 
ran away from from melancholia. Mm. You know, uh, they they had to make it make it clear that they were accepting and and valuing that film, uh, and that that's why they had to do something like give her, you know, the best actress award. Then that gets them off the hook. Then they haven't ignored melancholia. Then they haven't treated it like a persona, <coughs> like a persona non grata, you know, film. Right, and, right. Uh, so so that's, that's what I think happened. Yeah, it was strange that there were two movies, The Tree of Life and uh, Melancholia, that were kind of similar in a way. Like, they were both really long by these, you know, celebrated, you know, outsider directors. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't, neither of them particularly had a plot. And they were, you know, just about big themes and big ideas. You know, Melancholia, I think, appeals more to the younger film writers that were at the festival mm-hmm. uh, you know i heard a lot of them raving about it where they didn't seem to really connect with tree of life as much i think mm-hmm. tree of life connects with older people because <laughs> it, well i'm you know i'm sorry mm-hmm. to say it but it really mm-hmm. is it's about it's about people who grew up in the 40s and 50s and 60s and mm-hmm. maybe 50s and 60s and mm-hmm. are now sort of facing death you know we've gone through them the a lot of these filmmakers man these guys they're making films in the 70s and 80s and now they're they're past middle age. They're past the what does my life mean stuff. And they're into the death part, you know. So I think Tree of Life is much more about that. It's much more about the end of life. And um, Melancholia, man, it's supposed to be about the end of life. It's supposed to be about the end of the world. But it's really mm-hmm. not. It's more about anxieties, you know, depression and sex and marriage and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's about the, the sense that <clears throat> no matter how... Um, how well things seem to be going, they're not going well, is that underlying sense of dread that uh, many philosophers have alluded to. It's just something that's part of the human condition. And uh, he said in so many words at the press conference <clears throat> that it's, uh, you know, it's it's not about the end of the world. It's about, um, you know, a state of mind. It's about a psychological state. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. So that's what he said. Uh, Um, so I guess it was all, I was sitting in the press room and I was listening to the press conference, which were there, they were translating in French. So I couldn't hear what he was really saying, but I did hear the word Nazi fly around (laughs) (laughs) and then, and then the whole thing started, but I basically missed, you know, whatever it was he said that got everybody so upset, you know, he said, uh, words that basically, uh, he was being his usual flip. Uh, pugnacious uh, self trying to uh, get a rise out of people. He loves to do that. And he didn't really say anything that inflammatory. He says, I, <coughs> I, I looked into my ancestry and realized that I was part German. And um, he apparently just doesn't like Suzanne Beer for whatever reason. And um, uh, he got him, you know, he knew he was in trouble when he went all the way and said, I guess I am a Nazi. Cause he was just being obviously double ironic. He was saying it as a, as a dark show. Cause if he doesn't, anybody that would take him seriously is an idiot. Right. But, uh, but he got it, he stuck his foot in it. And sometimes when you tell a bad joke and it's not working mm-hmm. and you know it, it's, it's sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. You already said it and there's no retreat, you know, people just kind of, you know, so it's too bad but that yeah. she, uh, he decided uh, to go in that direction, but that's his personality. <laughs> he's not afraid <coughs> to, uh, to to say what he says. He's he's very um, uh, take it or leave it. Uh, he thinks he's an exceptional person. Uh, he doesn't like to mince words about it. He thinks he's a you know kind of a genius, and uh, and uh, you know 
he's said things like this before. He's made films that have outraged me. You know, he's he's quite the quite the character. So um, um, uh, I think he just went a little bit too far this time, and he'll probably probably be in the uh, can doghouse for maybe. Maybe a year, maybe maybe less, but you know, he's been <clears throat> coming to that festival for so many years, and they just had to, to um, declare him persona non grata as a way of distancing themselves. I don't think it's anything that they intend to stick to. I don't think that. Uh, I think that if it hadn't been for the tabloid press, the people that uh, seized upon this, I don't think it would have been that big a deal. It's the press that really brought it to the to mm-hmm. the fore. And uh, I was asked by Bruce Kirkland of the Toronto Sun, right as he said it, we were in the press room, he says, do you hear what he said? He says, listen, you can't take what he says with, a, you know, anything that seriously. You have to take it all with a grain of salt. Right. He likes doing this stuff. But they didn't care. They saw an opportunity to make banner headlines, and they went with it. And yeah. once it became a big banner headline, and it was repeated by all the you know the, the the shallow you know entertainment shows on television. And then you know, the Ken um, fathers uh, had felt they had to say something that got them uh, that disassociated themselves from him and that comment. So. Right, right. Well, right. Um, but basically, I guess there's one thing you can't really joke about, and that's Hitler and the Nazis. Still, I mean, you can't really joke about them in in any way except to say how horrible they were. Um, oh, he didn't say that they weren't horrible. He says he uh, understood where Hitler was coming from. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he did not say that. He you said, I understand. I understand. I think where I, Hitler... He didn't say he's a good guy. He said, I understand where he's coming from. Can't Meaning... you understand where Osama bin Laden was coming from? Yeah, but that's different. That's totally different. He was blaming the Jews, and the Jews were victimless. I mean, um, they were um, blameless. Man, well, you know. no, I, I can, I can, of course, be appalled and revolted at someone who would take his personal, um, you know, feelings of, uh, of resentment towards uh, towards Jewish merchants in the 1920s when Germany was uh, undergoing a horrible inflation. And uh, I can, I can say that I understand that resentment and that anger and that rage that he felt. It doesn't mean there's a difference between saying you understand something or understand where a person is coming from versus I endorse it, I share it. It was a correct way to feel, you know. Yeah, there's I guess sh- so, but I don't. I don't understand where Hitler was coming from because I think it was a weird, irrational. I, I understand where he's coming from in terms of I'm a frustrated artist. I don't have anything to do with my life, so I think I'll turn myself into a charismatic leader and um, take over the German <clears throat> people. I understand that, but. I don't yeah. understand. Our, we're having a hard... I mean, I suppose what's happening in California right now or in this country where people are starting to blame the illegal immigrants for our economic problems is about as close as you can get to that. Yeah. Um, but the Jews weren't particularly illegal immigrants, right? They were just... He just they just hated, hated the fact that they, he, in his mind, they seemed to have more money and... Yeah. Uh, the the German uh, nation as a whole was punished, as you know, for its uh, role in World War One by the League of Nations. There was a huge debt that they incurred, and they were basically uh, their 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 noses were rubbed in the dirt, and they endured horrible economic uh, deprivations way beyond anything we have suffered since the crash of '08. Way beyond that, and. Um, it got them very, very uh, enraged at the way other nations had treated them. And so they felt that's why fascism, the idea of let, let's bind together 
and be a, a nation with a single will and not let them ever do that to us again as they did during uh, uh, you know, the 20s and, and, their, and their, the misery that that nation went through. So really, the, the, you know, the, every action has a reaction. I don't think any nation, any particular uh, – I think that Adolf Hitler's uh, psychology was, was malignant and, and, and diseased. And I think he saw the hurt and the, and the want and the rage that German people felt, for, uh, particularly towards the, the left. And he exploited it. And it was a really a horrible confluence of a, of a deranged um, personality and, a, and an angry nation. But I, I understand, understand where it comes from. You know, a lot of people who've written thorough and exacting and, 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 and researched, uh, fully researched uh, histories of that period, they can say they understand that, but people don't call them sympathizers. It's just, it's, it's a difference between saying that you uh, get where they're coming from versus, you know, they, they were coming from a good place. That's, you know, and that's all he said, really. But it, it didn't matter because he was being flip. He was being yeah. uh, smartass. You know, he was putting down Suzanne Beer because – and he's mentioning the fact that I, I thought I liked being a Jew. Then I met Suzanne, Suzanne Beer and I decided maybe I didn't like it. You know, he was just trying to get a reaction. He's nuts, he man. The guy is nuts. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I hope people don't. I mean, I, I think we live in a really weird time where people are held mm. way more accountable for things they say. You know, it's like, God, if somebody caught us in our off moments and the horrible things we've said, I mean, and oh, then sure. in public, it's just like people are put under right. unfair screen. I'm not saying he is necessarily, but I'm, you know, just in general. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so what would you say would be your favorite <clears throat> movies from the festival if you had to pick five? Did you write about this already and I just missed it? I didn't do a best of the festival. Um, uh, the, the truth is that in terms of pure filmmaking pleasure, uh, even though I didn't think uh, it was uh, had a lot of profound things to say, I honestly, uh, it was between Drive and the, and the child molester movie, uh, Mikhail. Those are the two most pleasurable films that I, I was having a really rocking good time with. Um, in terms of um, rocking good time with the child molester. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> that was the most <laughs> uncomfortable sit for an hour and a half that I've ever had in a movie. So that's why I give the guy credit because I swear to God I'd put this up <laughs> against Psycho. I'd, I'd watch, put this with a double bill of Psycho because the two of those movies are so. I mean, he's such a Norman Bates type character, you know. Do know something about what it is to, uh, to uh, hate what a movie is about, and uh, and to loathe and be so deeply uncomfortable with the subject matter. And uh, uh, there's something about how he delivered that repugnant story uh, that was uh, so, I guess, kind of cold and efficient, mm -hmm. and um, it really got to me in, in a way that I was very surprised. And I, I guess not that many people were doing uh, double backflips over it the way I was, but, yeah, not really. but between that and, and, you know, Drive is not a perfect movie. Drive is not a great movie, but it's a very satisfying, good B movie, much, much better than Fast Five, for instance, which is uh, it's going to Fast Five. What is it? Well over two hundred something million. Was it three hundred? It's a huge hit, and uh, and I would venture to guess that. Uh, do you think, by the way, that Ryan Gosling is um, is uh, you know he's he's he he said in so many words during the press conference or the press chat that I attended at the American Pavilion that he felt that he had reached. 
kind of the end of the road of being the tortured indie actor with the quirky mannerisms and all that, mm. uh, when he did Blue Valentine, and he decided he was going to, sh- you know, shift into the next realm, which is playing guys like he does in Drive and 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 uh, you know more commercial stuff, you know. Yeah, he's he's a uh, well, you know, mm. Natalie Portman did that, and then now I guess Rachel McAdams is doing. You know, they're trying to become more powerful i guess and and why not he should do that i suppose yeah um otherwise he's just gonna suffer the same fate as ed norton and he'll just be kind of you know he'll he'll lose his looks and then he'll never be heard or seen from a, you know mm-hmm. he's got to do it now now's the moment for him you know right he's smart he's um because he is um uh the one thing that is so nice about drive which uh, as i said in the, re- in the review that i wrote that it's it's so uh, plain and simple, and it doesn't try to uh, um, uh, amplify or exaggerate the, the thrills that are happening. It just kind of shows them straight, honestly, oh without... God. I can't without, wait without, to see it. That's the one I really, really wish I had seen. I'm just dying to see yeah. that one. That's, you know, it sounds so great, but... Won't, won't be long, because as you know, it's playing at the L.A. Film Festival. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I just applied for credentials for that, so hopefully yeah. it'll be in there. Are you going to do it, too? Absolutely, yes. In fact, I just wrote them today, making sure that everything was okay. Uh, it begins, what, on June, what, 11th or something? Or? No, I think it's earlier, isn't it? Like June 6th, something? Okay. I'll have to look and see. Yeah. Um, so, that's, that's um, and, and it's, but it shouldn't be over-praised, because, but it's just that, you know, did you ever, have you ever seen uh, James Caan in Thief, the 1980 uh, film that he made with Michael Mann? Yeah, I think so. I did, think I did see that. Yeah. Well, if you remember it, you know that it was not, you know, a, a, a stunning, great film, but it was a very, very well-made, satisfying film about a, uh, you know, kind of a half-criminal, half-lonely guy who's um, who has a uh, <clears throat> a longing to 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 be to be held and to have a child and have a family, but he, at the same time, he can't tolerate. And won't tolerate anyone pressuring him to do anything he doesn't want. It's a fascinating, you know, psychological portrait. Uh, the, the The only thing that's weak or or uh, not as strong as it should be about Drive is that there isn't that kind of scheme worked into Ryan Gosling's character, who is a Hollywood stunt driver, who is also a getaway driver for guys robbing places. Mm, that's great, his, that's his, uh, you know. Uh, nighttime, uh, and he's also a mechanic at a garage. So, and oh, you don't quite it. know who he is. And I and we all we're all sort of used to getting some kind of backstory as to what you know drives people. And that is not done. It's obviously they didn't you know forget. They just didn't choose to. But that's the only real problem I have with it. Mm, wow! Um, wow! Mm. I can't wait to see it. Well, um, also the big news in town, I guess, is that yeah. you know several bloggers were invited to see um, Super Eight. Um, J.J. Abrams movie, mm-hmm. and they all saw it, and of course reported back that it was great. You know, um, I actually haven't seen. Um, you, you saying twittered, or they actually mm-hmm. wrote articles? No, I they, didn't know they that. twittered. They were they were allowed to twitter that they that they saw the movie finally. Okay, because they all had right. to keep it under wraps, I guess. And then mm-hmm. now they're saying it's really good. But you know, the way I feel, it's like it's hard to take that kind of stuff seriously because you know what are they going to say? You know, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> it's very flattering to be shown a film of that, uh, you know, this 
one of the probably one of the more intriguing best made summer films that isn't a sequel isn't a dumb blockbuster but it you know actually has an idea which is to you know resuscitate or make you feel like you're watching a 70s Spielberg film that's a pretty cool idea uh, so yeah uh, you know what are they going to say yeah right no all right sorry thumbs no, down sucks. we've seen <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna do that. I mean, I know I was. I only got. I've only gotten like one or two of those. You know, will you come see our screening? You know, because we think you're special, and you know, uh-huh. I've uh-huh. only gotten a couple of those. And you do uh-huh. feel sort of obligated to be nice, you know, and or you're so kind of overjoyed to be there at all that you're gonna. It's gonna influence how you like the movie, you know. I think so. Ed was Ed Douglas. Um, did he fly out to Los Angeles to see it? Is that what happened? Or uh... oh, I don't know. Did Ed? Did Ed write about it? No, I think they had one in New York too. Oh, fine. Okay. Yeah, I think they had one right. both because a couple of people who are back there talk were talking about it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't know if you can say word on the street is this that it's a good movie because of that, but. Nonetheless, that's the so-called. What buzz. kind of good did they say? I didn't read any of these twitters. So, what kind of good did they say? How do they? What did they indicate, or what did they suggest through their tweets? Tweets. I'm just hearing a lot of people saying, "I love it. I love it." Um, you know, it was really good. I loved it. You know, so. Huh. That's it. I mean, nothing really specific, but just a general impression that it's a thumbs up you know I notice they're just doing that now with these movies that have such high expectations they they just want it to get the first word out there is it good is it bad you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. If, if the first word is good then everybody can just relax and then it's going to open everything's going to be fine you know if it's terrible like as in you know the golden <coughs> age the golden age is the only movie I can think of that just bombed right when it was seen you know mm-hmm. like, there was no hope for that movie but usually there's some wiggle room, you know, but obviously they want it to be, they want it to come out of the gate with a thumbs up, which I guess this one already has now. With, if there's anything that I, I could say of, uh, of, uh, particular, I, of particular enthusiasm that I felt, I've seen it also. I, I was given a shot look at it before I left for France. No uh, way, Jeff. You're lying. I can't believe that. No, I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just kidding. I know you wouldn't lie about that. But that's amazing, and you never said a word. Well, I was asked not to say anything. And I feel, look, I can at least say that I've seen it. If these guys have Twittered about it, I'm not going to get into it. But I, 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 in fact, I'd rather see it completely done. But, yes, I did have a chance to see it. Um, and um, I can say one thing for sure, and that's Elle Fanning is, uh, is like a real movie star. You know, she is really delightful. I mean, uh, she, I didn't think she quite uh, did enough during uh, Sofia Coppola's film to mm-hmm. make you feel that she had something exceptional going. But uh, there are at least two scenes in this that make you say to yourself, wow, she is really good. She's a young, she is, you know, whatever the analogy might be, but she's really got it, and she really uh, delivers well. And it's, you know, it's kind of a romantic thing between her and the young lead. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. So what do you, are you allowed to say what you thought of it? I don't think so, but the, uh, it's, it's positive. <laughs> uh, I, you know, if these guys have just Twitter day, I really loved it. You know, that's, I can't say anything. I don't think I should. I should probably, I saw it with... Um, scenes not done and that kind of thing so oh yeah well what did they want you to to just give them a first impression and see if you liked it or not um it was it was at a stage when it was being uh 
finalized and tweaked and this cut, this taken out and this added and that kind of thing. And I guess they wanted uh, some, you know, just some thoughts, you know, uh, which I think is smart because, you know, if you've lived with a film uh, you know, from the page to the, to the uh, you know, to shooting, to post, I think that it helps if someone who hasn't been, uh, in, who's not invested can just kind of tell you what they, they think. Um, so, I think it was wise of J.J. Abrams to, uh, you know, I don't know who else he showed it to, but you know, it's, it's smart if you if you can uh, show it to people. But I can't, you know, I couldn't say anything until, but I I can at least say it's been seen, and I I would say that there, uh, that the positive reactions are, uh, I understand what they're talking about. So good, but you didn't see it finished, so you don't know what he cut out and. I saw it, you know, almost there, but, you know, you see, have you ever seen films when they're not quite, you know, they're um, some green screen effects and some CG looks like CG, yeah. but, you, yeah. you know, hasn't been finalized, that kind of thing. Right, right. So, so well, I haven't good. seen I it. it would, I, I would really like to see it. I can't wait to see it uh, all done with everything. So, but, you know, if a movie has it, you can tell if so a movie doing it right. When so. you write about it, like if you see it again and you write about it, are you going to say, I got to see this early when... It wasn't really done, and then now I saw it again, and it's just as good as it was. I don't think so. I, I don't know that it's ne necessary because the um, the the point is that um, the it's more, I didn't see something that was in, in in woefully rough form. I just saw something that was about ninety four percent there. Mm. And usually, a film is uh, is working. Um, you, you know, there's a, it's not going to change that much. I mean, you know. They'll they'll take this out. They'll they'll tweak. They'll compress. They'll you know, uh, maybe de-emphasize a couple of things. You know, is it going to make a like lot of a money? Writing, big big huh? bucks. You think it'll be a big blockbuster? Sure, because it's, it's really a lot of fun. It really does feel like a like a good Spielberg film. Oh, great! Uh, and it's and it's a great monster movie. And it's uh, and it's uh, and it's amusing. And yet it has good character development. And the and the and, the, and I you know I, I I love the the kid the young kid who's the uh, the lead. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a young sort of young puppy love story. You know, amidst oh. uh, everything else, it's very nice. Sounds great. It sounds yeah. really great. Well, your your recommendation sounds sounds good, solid. Yeah. I know you would tell me the truth about it. <laughs> if yeah. you didn't like it, you would just go. I don't know. <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, I just, I'm so sorry to have to say, you know, <laughs> that's you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, how's Paris? What have you been doing? Just really quickly. I'd love to hear what you've seen so far. Um, we, <clears throat> well, let me see. Um, met Emily Liu from Brigade, Brigade last night mm -hmm. at, at a little restaurant called the Petit Prince de Paris. Mm -hmm. um, she's, uh, you know, she works with uh, in New York and uh, just uh, had a nice dinner with Roger Derling and Dan and uh, Guy Lodge of In Contention. Right, and right. Um, uh, did a lot of walking. Oh, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, uh, like I said, I... Uh, bounding up the, I don't like to walk upstairs. I like to bound up them two, three steps at a time. Mm. And the uh, my left arch for some reason doesn't like doing that anymore. I don't know. So, uh oh, time to get but, a cane. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, a lot of a lot of walking. A lot of a lot of beautiful, usual beautiful. I climbed up the uh, to the first level of the Eiffel Eiffel Tower. I, oh, I've done nice. this twice before. 
Mm. Oh, Paris is so Did you beautiful. do that? Did you climb up it? We did. We did. We just uh, loved it. It's so romantic. You know, when you imagine Paris in your mind and you think of the mm -hmm. Eiffel Tower, it doesn't look as intimate as it is when you get there. Mm -hmm. Everything's so much smaller than you think it's going to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, the Eiffel Tower is just a really pretty building. It's not this overwhelming thing that you'd see in New York, you know? It's just this beautifully designed um, structure. Well, you're making yeah, we it sound like it's on the, on the, on the <coughs> you know, not, not nothing to take your breath away. It, it's pretty damn big when no, you're standing No, it's breathtaking. Under, it's know? beautifully breathtaking, but it's breathtaking for its beauty, I think, not necessarily for its size. But this, oh, is, this yeah, is coming yeah. from an American, you know, I'm used to these huge buildings mm -hmm. here that overwhelm you, but... Um, I was so delighted being there. Did you climb up with Emma to the second level or just the first level? I, I think we went all the way up to the part where you, you know, and then, then there's the top, you know, like we didn't yeah. get to the very top, but we went up to where they have all the, the little restaurant and stuff like that. I think that's the second level, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Well, um, that's pretty damn high. And uh, I remember going up there with, with, with Jet and the boys and Jet was pretty uh, unhappy at, being, at looking down, even though he's looking through metal grating. You can still see the the height that you've climbed, and you know. I said, Jet, if you were determined to kill yourself, you couldn't. You can't jump out of this place. So it's, <laughs> and it's been standing here since 1889. So you're, nothing's going to happen, man. You know. And he was going, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. <laughs> oh, he did. That's so cute. That yeah, seems out of character yeah. for him to be afraid of heights. I wouldn't have guessed that. He's got a cautious side to him. Uh, He's uh, he likes to. He doesn't like uh, risk. As a concept, even though it, you know it feels like risk because you're, you know, unlike when you're in a regular thirty-story office building, you, um, you, you know, to be able to look down at where you've just been, and it's pretty good, good pretty good distance, as yeah. you know. So yeah. that's a good anyway. quality that he has. That'll keep him safe. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to worry so much about him. You know? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, so now it's off to Venice, and then how long in yeah. Venice before you come back here? Uh, just three days, and then back here on Friday, here Friday, Saturday, flying back to New York on Sunday. When I get to New York on Sunday, I have asked about trying to get um, preferential seating for uh, Carrie Mulligan's um, uh, Through a Glass Darkly on the stage, mm. which I uh, was reading about today in the New York Times. Um, and, uh, you know, she's playing basically the, the lead uh, that was played by what, Harriet Anderson mm -hmm. in yeah. Through a Glass Darkly. So. That's actually my favorite Bergman film. Is it? Yeah, it's a great one. I would love to. Uh, and this is a small theater, the Atlantic Theater Company. It's somewhere downtown. The, the seats are only like $50. So it's not about big money. But mm. uh, So I'm really looking forward to that. So. Oh, I think she'll be wonderful. I didn't realize it was coming up so soon. I thought she was just starting rehearsals. Uh, the I didn't know either, and the the New York Times article said that it's happening as we speak. So mm -hmm. I, don't, I maybe maybe it's about to happen, but that's that was my impression from reading it that it was uh, not something, uh, you know, far off, but mm -hmm. definitely. Uh, uh. And so, how long are anyway. you in New York then before you come back here? I'll be back in Los Angeles on uh, Tuesday, mm -hmm. and uh, that is what the uh, twenty. Uh, June 1st or something or mm. 31st mm. May 31st and uh, then uh, of course the LA Film Festival starts right after that and I can't yeah. wait to see Drive again that's going to oh, be a yeah. lot of fun I can't wait to see that either that's great yeah, yeah. well um... alright well this is a good one so let's uh, let's wrap it up and I'll because uh, I have to get up but it's like yeah yeah you got to go to bed okay well nice talking with you and uh, yeah. 
I'll catch you when you get back. Yeah. You sound great, and this is nice. So uh, I have a very good. Uh, we both sound are no, no dropouts, uh, and, no, no. Uh, and I, I wish we could have done it when I was sitting at a McDonald's. That would have been kind of. Interesting. I know, but this is great because you know your voice gets really sexy when you're tired, and it sounds really <laughs> good on the recording. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Get that so- kind of saggy uh, Sly Stone uh, uh, sound. Yeah. Okay. No, just All right. Well, thanks for saying that. I'll, I'll remember that next time I'm trying to impress a girl. Uh, exactly. Mm. <laughs> Make sure to stay up all night and yeah, yeah. call her on the phone. But. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy the okay. rest of your trip. All right. You too. I mean, enjoy Los Angeles and uh, good seeing you over there. And oh, yeah. uh, I'll see you when I get back. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. Thanks for when listening. You land in Paris, and they wave you right through. Though your passport picture doesn't look much like you. They don't look at your luggage. They don't look at your face. Cause you pose no danger And you're such a disgrace You go out walking Down the Champs-Élysées When you do your best bogarts And they don't seem to care They walk right down the sidewalk Like you ain't even there Looking in the wrong direction Seeing it from the inside out The way you couldn't wait for Christmas
nothing you can smell. 